Hello, Hive Nation, and welcome to another edition of the of a down under edition of the Hive Nation podcast. Today on the show, we have Mr. Tony Fakri. Tony is a leading self-empowerment expert, a published author, including three books, over 440 uh, articles. Um, Tony developed a comprehensive self-development program titled The Power to Navigate Life. Uh, the program teaches participants how to achieve mental, emotional, physical well-being using to follow instructions. Is that fair to say, Tony? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tony joins us from Melbourne, Australia today, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Tony. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Jason. It's uh, it's an honor to be here, and I know that uh, it's quite late where you are. <laughs> it, it it definitely is a uh, honor to have you here. Our time uh, differences will not show up, or our temperature differences, or our temperature. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the first question that I've got for you is uh, we we've discussed here off off camera for a bit about your background in working with uh, sports psychology and the, the development of sports psychologists. Um, with that in mind, uh, what what is the need for the grit and the mental toughness for both sports athletes and business executives in the whole, in the same? Yeah, wonderful. That's a, that's a great question, Jason. And I, I guess the idea of mental toughness is the sense of developing resiliency in the face of our obstacles and challenges. Um, and so developing resiliency is a mindset. It's, it's a way of looking at uh, problems. Um, and so we can tend to look at our problems as negative or we can look at our problems as opportunities. Uh, and so if you were to elicit a group of people and divide them into two, there would be a group of those who would look at a problem and see only a problem. And then you would get the success mindset who would look at the problem and see an opportunity. Um, and we've seen this in recent times, uh, particularly with the billionaires of the world who actually made billions of dollars during COVID. Um, and we see this in recession and downtimes. So we can actually develop this mindset. We can develop a resiliency mindset and a grit mindset, which is something that and the author, American author, Angela Duckworth talks about. Um, so, you know, to some degree, we are all athletes on some level. Um, and through my sports psychology background and working in a mentorship program, I really learned how to bring that approach into the office, into the corporate environment. And that is we're all competing on some level. We've all got objectives and KPIs to achieve. So we can really bring that mindset of performing at our optimum level then developing the grit, developing the empowered mindset in order to overcome our problems. Um, and so um, we can do that by rising above the challenge. Um, and there's one particular group of people that I like to draw on um, with this situation, and that is the Navy SEALs. Um, and I use the Navy SEALs because they go into situations which most of us would probably shy away from. 
So whenever there's a, a hostage situation or an international uh, situation, uh, Navy SEALs or for, you know, um, commandos or, you know, any military operation, they walk into these operations. But I particularly like the Navy SEALs because they have this wonderful axiom, which is calm is contagious. And so because they work in units, it's the sense that if one of the team members is anxious or uncertain about the operation, then it rubs off on everyone else. So in my experience working with corporate individuals or CEOs and executive teams, what I've come to see is that creating a teamwork is really about creating coherency within the team. And when we have coherency, then we have that development of grit in order to overcome our problems and challenges. So would it be fair to say then with that in mind that when you do have a team that has a a goal in mind, we'll say, you know, especially on a on a, on a business side of it where you're, you know, you're you maybe you want to um, expand or maybe you want to, uh, you know, um, buy out somebody or take over a merger or something like that. Is that come down to uh, a lot of the same ability to think and achieve that thoughts the same way as the as every team member? Or is there value? Uh, I guess there is value in everybody thinking differently. But is there more value in people thinking alike that way? I guess, Jason, is that when you've got a team, um, every individual is going to think differently. And that's and that's wonderful. And that's unique because um, it's the ability to harness individual thinking, but for the greater good of the team or the goal or the objective. So it's really incumbent upon the leader within that team to make sure that all team members are working towards that same objective. Um, and the American motivational speaker, Simon Sinek, talks about the power of why. And that is understanding our core motivation. What is our why? And, and he talks about the sense that businesses focus on the how and the what of achievement. Whereas if we don't have an underlying why mechanism, then I've seen team members literally fall in different directions and attack one another um, because there isn't trust, there isn't coherence, there isn't uh, objectives um, towards working um, towards that main goal or objective or mission statement, as it were. Yeah, I really like that. I really like how you how you put the Navy SEALs inside of that. That uh, I, I'm not entirely sure if there's a, a tougher crowd of people on the face of the planet than those cats. <laughs> no. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And otherwise, I mean, 98% of it's mental for sure. There's no doubt about it. Indeed. And if we look at the, um, and, and this is an area that's intrigued me. Um, and if we look at the Navy SEALs, um, you know, program, entrance program, it's actually designed to weed out 90 to 95% of people. Um, so its objective is to get rid of those who are incapable of actually achieving um the grit, the mental resiliency required in warfare. Um, now, we don't necessarily need to take all those elements into the corporate scene, but we can take aspects of that and, and apply it to the way that we perceive our problems within the corporate setting. Yeah, I love that. That's that's a great way of saying that, Tony, for sure. Um, can you explain to us the uh, 
resiliency in, in business professionals going forward, working from home and maybe doing a, a hybrid type of work schedule versus what they used to do in the past and, you know, kind of uh, gas break honk on the way to work and then gas break honk on the way back. And, and uh, but now, you know, they kind of have a, a hybrid work model. Yeah, it certainly changed the uh, the face of the uh, the work scene. Uh, I don't know about uh, where you are, but in Australia at the moment, we have a situation of a hybrid model where people are working two or three days uh, in the office and then still working from home. Um, and the preference seems to be more towards working from home, yet there are individuals who still love the team dynamics. Um, so from the people that I've worked with or work with at the moment and coach uh, on an international level, um, the points that I'm really seeing is about expanding our discomfort zone. Um, so of those who I've seen return to work, there's been this reticence to re-engage back into the workplace after you know a two or three year hiatus. Um, there's this intrepidation of you know contracting COVID again and um, you know, being in these close dynamics and and even just um, interacting with people. I mean, most of our interactions for the last two years have been via Zoom. Um, and suddenly now uh, people are thrust into a situation where they're in team meetings of, you know, 5, 10, 20 uh, people within a, a group dynamic. So it's learning how to assimilate that. And that's why I say um, about expanding our comfort zone. And again, this is a sports psychology um, idea which says that um, in order to step outside our comfort zone, it's not just a matter of stepping outside our comfort zone often because what happens is that we become, um, you know, daredevils or we seek the, um, you know, it's sort of like um, bungee jumping or, um, you know, parachute jumping. We get uh, used to the thrill and the adrenaline um, so we become adrenaline seekers. So in sports psychology, we talk about discomfort zone as the sense of stepping out of our discomfort zone, um, seeing what's there and saying, okay, well, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this. I don't want to be here. But then stepping back into our comfort zone and bringing the lessons from those experiences. Um, and that's an important component and something that I really work with uh, clients, entrepreneurs and CEOs within themselves and their teams to help the individuals. And that is, how can I step outside my comfort zone and expand it every time and then come back to my comfort zone and integrate those lessons? Um, and so part of that is allowing for a period of adjustment. So you know, it's the idea of um, creating the growth and the growth happens when we step back into our comfort zone. So it might be, for example, um, if we haven't had face-to-face -face interactions um, with people for the last two years and suddenly we're now back in the office or we're having sales meetings, um, maybe instead of having a one-hour meeting, we can, you know, start with a 10-minute meeting and then retreat back into our comfort zone. So it's broadening our horizons, but in a way that is suitable and comfortable uh, to us. So is that is that a, a way of, you know, what I've noticed is that there is people yet that are uncomfortable uh, uh, meeting face-to-face. -face. And there's even, not, I'm not even going to talk meeting, uh, there's, there's people uncomfortable going to the grocery store. Uh, yeah. 
you know, and it's just as, as a small feat as that. So is there, is that a way of, of, of making people more comfortable while you do it by 10 minute, by 10 minute, by 10 minute or 15 minute, whatever that, that increment may be. And then they just kind of get used to that. And then eventually, holy cow, that was an hour. Yeah, perfect. It's, it's just expanding that, that natural comfort zone um, or discomfort zone rather. And, and again, it applies in, in sports. So for example, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a swimmer. When I first come back from an injury, um, if I'm going to swim a certain number of laps at the local pool, um, starting off and swimming two laps um, in the first week might be all that I can do. And then in the second week, I come back and I try and expand that to four, then to six, to eight. And I constantly build upon that. And then soon enough, three months have gone and I'm able to swim, you know, 20, 30 laps. Um, so it's finding your discomfort zone and and staying in there as long as you can. And for some people, that might be one minute, and that's and that's fine. For some people, it might be five minutes. And when we find that we become triggered or we find that the emotions are too much for us to handle, then we come back to our comfort zone. But it's expanding and it's that's much like stretching an elastic band. If we were to stretch an elastic band in one go, we would break it. But if we constantly stretched it, allowed it come back and then stretched it further each time, then after a while, we've actually got a, a longer and bigger elastic band. And so it's finding our level of discomfort and being comfortable with that. Well, you found my level of discomfort when you said swim 20 laps. Uh, I, got, I got completely <laughs> gassed already. I, uh, that yeah. was, Jason, <laughs> Jason would not have done well at months. <laughs> um, one question that I have for you regarding your business and the pandemic is um, how has coaching changed for you since the pandemic? Uh, that's first part of that question. The second part of that question is now that it's accepted to be do virtual online meetings, has that uh, increased your business uh, capabilities and your outreach uh, to clients internationally? Yeah, absolutely, Jason. Um, so in terms of the business changing, um, to answer both those questions, yes, uh, I've had a lot more um, business come through during the pandemic and particularly the it became more global, um, you know, Europe, US, Canada, uh, the UK. Um, and because people were working from home, it became convenient for them to get coaching. Um, and most of the coaching was related in the area of self-improvement, self-development, mindset, resiliency. Um, and particularly during the first year of the COVID pandemic, I was working with people who were struggling with the change of it all. Suddenly they're at home. In many instances, they're working by themselves. Some of them don't have families. Others ha do have families. Um, and they didn't have the environment, which was not conducive to an office. They were working from a bedroom, um, you know, a, a lounge room, in some cases a kitchen. Um, so most of it was teaching them about this idea called emotional regulation. Um, and so emotional regulation psychology really teaches us how to be comfortable with our negative emotions. So if it's fear, if it's anxiety, um, we learn how to sit with these 
emotions and accept them rather than resist them. Um, and so as adults, we were never taught at school how to actually handle our emotions. And we're not taught by family members. So if fear or anger or anxiety is one of your core emotions, then many people don't know how to regulate that emotion. So they either tend to run away or shut down. So I was really dealing with people on how to use those emotions to their advantage. So if it was anxiety, okay, sit with the anxiety. What are you feeling? Where are you feeling that anxiety in your body? You know, is it in the throat? Is it in the chest? Is it in the stomach? What does it feel like? And so when we become intimate, and by intimate, I mean um, have a relationship to an understanding of an emotion, then we're able to get comfortable with it. So you cannot fear something um, which you are close to. You know, we tend to fear the opposite uh, race or uh, gender or, or, you know, a, a country. We fear things which are at a distance from us. Um, and when we do that, it's easy to point a finger. You know, if you're driving in a car and someone cuts you off in traffic, you know, you're both in the shell of a, a steel car driving. So it's easy to yell obscenities at the other person. But if you were to step out of the vehicle, and be face-to-face -face with one another, the dynamics change. And so it's really about teaching people how to get close to their emotions, not further away, and see and find out, why am I experiencing this anger? Why is this anxiety here? What am I meant to learn from this? And then process it and, and move through it. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. I've noticed that the fear of the unknown is, uh, is the greatest thing that people have to get over you know in, especially in today uh the fear of the unknown kind of runs people's world some days or some lives and and uh yeah i'm not entirely sure if some of those people ever come back from that after the pandemic i'll be honest yeah that's frightening jason and uh yeah as uh, as you say the fear of the unknown is the <clears throat> sense of uncertainty and then it really calls into question um, will I be safe? Uh, what is the future like? And so we then project into the future and we create all these biases, but all these biases are really coming from the past. And so if we understand our past, then we are destined not to repeat it into the future. So it's looking at the past and saying, right, this is who I am as an individual, um, experiencing the emotions in the present moment. So we're not to, destined to experience them again and repeat them into the future so we don't want to be recycling rehashing the past and carrying it with the future because all we're really doing is just carrying around baggage aren't we mm -hmm. you know and i was talking to a friend of mine the other day and we were talking about how the pandemic seems like it's gone on for longer than the period that it has because like it's almost like you can't remember what happened from 2019 back. You know what I mean? It's almost like yeah. that that never happened. And then everything else kind of just took forward after that, after the pandemic started. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I guess, you know, as a, as a team, we can work together and then get, get over that. And the people who aren't going to get over it, I guess, aren't going to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like learning a new language because it's sort of, you know, we talk about the world as pre pandemic and post pandemic. 
Right. Um, and so the way that we lived pre-pandemic is not the way that we're going to live post-pandemic. I mean, you know, you're probably well aware that now, you know, we're talking about technology where AI uh, is now uh, factoring in, you know, chat GPT has now become this new kid on the block. And that's just going to change uh, the way that we interact with one another. Uh, it's yeah. just, mm -hmm. and, you know, some might say it's, it's frightening. So it's, you know, the future is just changing at leaps and bounds and that's uncertainty. And so we can actually embrace uncertainty um, and allow uncertainty to work in our favor if we can process the emotions that we feel when we're uncertain. You know, I mean, if if we're bungee jumping, I mean, you, you guys know what bungee jumping is, yeah? Yeah, you bet. Yeah. So um, if we're bungee jumping, if we're jumping out of a plane with a parachute, there's this uncertainty that what happens if the ripcord doesn't work or um, what happens if the line breaks? That's uncertainty. But then we can actually flip the switch and say, right, what happens if the if the switch actually does work and I land safely and I have a wonderful experience? So we can turn the situation around and actually pose uh, empowering questions. And another term in psychology says that we can speak to ourselves in the third person, which is really empowering. So instead of saying, um, no, you can do this, it's okay, don't worry, we can actually use our name. So we might say, Tony, you've got this. Don't worry about it. You're going to jump out of the plane. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to land safely. I know you can do this, Tony. And so there've been research studies that have noticed that when we talk to ourselves in the third person and refer to our name, that it, it creates this sense of um, accomplishment, this achievement that we are capable of doing what we set out to achieve. Very cool. I've always said that uh, some of the most intelligent conversations I've ever had is, is with myself. So, <laughs> I mean, he does hang out with me a lot. So it's that's 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 probably it, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tony, I'd like to expand a bit more on your coaching approach, and more specifically, how you integrate your uh, writings and the books you've authored into your coaching, because. Funny enough, that's how we actually discovered you is through your writings. So, yeah, absolutely, great question, Greg. Um, so initially, I actually started off as a speaker uh, many years ago, and um, I was working on the circuit here in Australia, uh, doing corporate, uh, you know, corporate gigs and and public speaking events. And then I turned uh, my hand uh, to uh, writing to expand upon that, you know, to create a, a bigger base. And I've since found the two actually work really uh, well together And insofar as when I'm writing, I'm building on that knowledge base and really becoming intimate with the topic um, that I'm talking about. And I always try and write about something that I don't necessarily know a lot about, which means that I've got to research about it. Um, and that's that's my discomfort zone. So every week I try and write about topics or I write books that um, are certainly within my skill set, but also topics that uh, I don't necessarily know a lot about. And I've noticed that in my coaching experience, a lot of that knowledge and understanding has really rubbed off um, in that coaching experience uh, with clients and one-on-one. -on -one. There's been a lot of key lessons that I've learned over the years, and I've been doing this now for close to 15 years. So it's been wonderful insofar as... Uh, 
the number of articles and um, books that I've written have really helped me to become a better coach because the more I've understood about key topics, the more I've been able to pass that wisdom, experience and skill onto uh, the coaching client. That's that's actually really cool and really relevant to myself because in my previous job, I would run meetings as a, as a manager and uh, one of my colleagues said, man, you should start writing this stuff. And since I have, I never saw myself as a good writer, more of a good speaker, but uh, much to your point, it has improved my speaking as well. So that's really interesting uh, to me and a really powerful tool for anybody listening today. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the point there, Greg, is that it really helps you to expand on ideas and uh, look at ideas from different perspectives. So it allows you to slow uh, your thought process down and then you embody that understanding. And then when you embody that understanding, you can pass on that understanding to other people and articulate it. That's an excellent point and well put, Tony. It is very well put. Um, so in in the business world and really in any aspect of life, there's many highs and lows. We all kind of go through the peaks and valleys. As a coach, when you're talking with an individual who's maybe in a slump, how do you work at getting them back into the flow? Yeah, great question, Greg. Um, so some of the key points that I generally work on is firstly focus on what's important to them. Um, and I think that's a really good starting point. And again, I'll go back to Simon Sinek's principle of why. Um, so if we have our intrinsic motivation, why are we doing this? Why are we here in the first place? And we and we all go through slumps. Um, you know, I've, I've been watching the tennis here at the moment. We've got the Australian Open Tennis and... Um, just listening to the tennis players who talk about going through their own slumps where, you know, they hate training, training becomes a chore um, and then they become injured and then they start losing tournaments. Whereas in previous years, they'd make it to the semifinals and quarterfinals and, and finals. And so they lose their motivation. Um, and so for many of them, they might quit or, or walk away from the sport. And this is not only of tennis, but any other sport for that matter. So it's really understanding and reconnecting with our intrinsic motivation. Why are we doing this? Mm. What value do we hope to achieve? Um, I remember working with a client many years ago who was a female soccer referee here in Australia, and she'd become injured. Um, and we went through the um, coaching and so forth, and she just I didn't feel that she was getting a lot out of the coaching sessions. And so over two weeks, we really worked on her why, her intrinsic motivation. Um, and I know, and it's not my aim to make people cry, but if I can summon deep motivation within a person, um, then I know that I've hit a, a soft spot. And in her case, the motivation was she recalls being, I think it was six or seven years old, her father was a, uh, a soccer referee and walked her out onto the field for the first time. And she still remembers the smell of the grass and holding her father's hand. And all those memories came flooding back each and every time 
she walked out and she was a national level soccer referee. So she was actually really good at her job. But every time she walked out onto the field, she was brought back to her childhood experience. And so that really helped her to reconnect with getting through her injuries and getting her back onto the field. Um, so the other area is also values. What do we value in our life? And what are our visions for the future? So if we reconnect with our values, um, then that gives us a roadmap or a compass in which to continue on our path and work towards that vision of success. Now, although we don't know how we're going to get there, um, and that's sometimes not part of the plan because the how will make themselves known to us. But if we have a strong enough why, then we can work towards that by creating a vision for success. That's interesting that you'd bring up that tennis player, Tony. We've had like a theme with our last few guests about individual sport athletes and um, and the team that they need in order to continue. And whether you're Tiger Woods, where you were at the top of the heap, or whether you were maybe, uh, I'm going to do a little poke here at Patrick Reed. Maybe you were at Patrick Reed and you were kind of middle to the bottom of the pack the whole time until you finally broke out. But um you know, they, result, they always have that team behind them that you never see, right? Because it's an individual sport, right? But, you know, that you were talking about getting over that hump or getting over that that uh, part where it's like, well, maybe do I quit or, you know, do I go on? Or I think a lot of those times, that's why those guys have those coaches, right? To say like, really, you're going to quit on, on us? Like, we're a team here. Like, you're yeah. not just quitting on yourself, right? You're quitting on us, right? Like, Absolutely. So yeah. I think maybe that's that could be part of it. And a lot of those guys have sports psychologists, obviously as well mm -hmm. to, to kind of help them get over that, that negative, yeah. those negative thoughts, but you know, uh, they're no different than us, right. Yeah. You know, you still get negative thoughts. I, you know, it's just what happens. Uh, absolutely. And in team dynamics, you know, when you're, you know, whether you're an NFL player or an, an ice hockey player, whatever the team dynamics are, um, as you say, Jason, it's that sense of, well, are you quitting on, you know, the other members in the team? But I think also if we can come back to ourselves and really evaluate why are we doing this in the first place, then that really helps us get clear on um, moving forward and also coming back to uh, our peak potential as well. I think that's a really important consideration. I love it. And yeah, <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter what... Uh what your environment is, team's a huge thing. And it's a yeah. great caveat to my last question on, you know, in terms of leadership, Tony, we talked about the Navy SEALs earlier and how they're such a great embodiment of that grit and uh, resiliency mindset, as well as teamwork. But uh, what does the team mentality mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Greg. And uh, team mentality really comes down to a number of points. And, the, and that is working towards um, a main goal or an objective. And so within a company structure, it's what is the company's main objective and are we all as a team on the same path? Um, and that really comes down to also good hiring. So if we have a um, you know human resources department, it's really incumbent on them to choose the right people and make sure that they are doing the job for the right reasons and not just to make a wage or a salary. Um, 
The other important consideration is that we're all going to have different opinions because we come from different backgrounds. But that can actually work to our advantage. It's as long as we are heading in the right direction. Um, so, you know, if we're all rowing a boat together um, and we're rowing that boat from one, you know, destination to another, if we all disagree that we should go back um, or one of us disagrees that we, you know, that we should go back and the others agree that we should continue forward, then we've got this antagonistic, um, uh, uh, you know, antagonistic push and pull um, happening within the dynamics. But if we can get a consensus or establish a consensus that we should be rowing in the same direction, then our objective to achieve our goals increases. So in order for us to achieve that as a team, it's important that we build trust and respect. I think they're the most key components and of all the organizations I've worked with and continue to work with every single time. And I've worked from the top level, from the CEO level, right down to, you know, uh, the receptionist who sits at the front taking phone calls. And I've heard every person's point of view. Um, and in all cases, it always comes down to trust and respect. And that is he or she or my manager doesn't trust me or doesn't respect me. My team, my colleague doesn't trust or respect me. So it's how can I build that trust or rebuild that trust? Um, the other component is also uh, building and defining accountability. What are my um, accountabilities? as a team member? And do I know what each person is responsible so there's not an overlapping of uh, work duties? Uh, and, and that's a really uh, important component too. And then also giving people responsibility within that team dynamics and allowing them to make mistakes and either coaching them or leading them to overcome those mistakes rather than reprimand them. Um, and that's really a, a leadership component there. So we need to have a really good leadership that says, right, um, you know, uh, John, uh, I could see you've done really well on this project, but you could possibly do this a little better by approaching it from this situation. Um, so it really comes down to that, um, you know, key leadership within those dynamics. You know, it's it you 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 describe it like that. In episode two, we had a, a friend of ours on. He plays professional football, and he said that within a locker room, uh, you know, it's like a family. Uh, and you, you mentioned the trust and the accountability, and you basically put your, you know, you in some cases you put your well-being in the hands of the person that's sitting next to you in the locker room, right? And so uh, that's that's a heck of a lot of. Uh, trust in somebody right and yeah. he said that the, the the locker rooms that he's been in where they've had that family and that accountability and that trust factor they've won as a team lost as a team and everybody goes along their way the teams that he's been on where it hasn't had that he says it's just like a free-for-all and nobody knows which way they're going nobody knows what to do where to how to get there and that's no different than in business it's exactly the same thing that's yeah. if you don't have that if you don't have that somebody to 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 take on that leadership role and be a, and take you on as a family, you're probably lost. Like the the business is probably you know going backwards. 
Absolutely, Jason. And, and what it really comes down to is human behavior. And we don't necessarily need to have a psychology degree to understand one another. But what we do need to have is the basic human qualities. And that is, you know, being able to trust another person, being able to respect another person and treat them as you would treat yourself. Because when we do that, you know, I often say to people, as soon as they tell me within a corporate setting, they're having difficulties with their manager, I often say to them, could you treat this person as a family member? Could you treat them like your 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 spouse, your son, your 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 daughter, your father? And they look at me strangely. Oh no, I you know I I don't want to get that close to them. No, but it's not about getting close to them where you've got to know their um, you know personal habits and and fears and anxieties. It's treating them as though you want to be treated yourself. Yeah, that's you all it comes down to. And when you do that, and you've got to take the first step, not let the manager, because it's about leadership, because that's how you move up in the corporate world, is um, assuming leadership of the situation yourself. That's it. Uh, I know know I'd be remiss not to ask you. uh, So I know there's people that are either watching this on the screen or listening to in their vehicle or in their AirPods as they work out. And they are yelling, uh, Jason, why don't you ask him what books that he's written so that I can look <laughs> at these books because I'm interested in the books that he wants. So, Tony, why don't you uh, tell our crowd about uh, where where they can find you and um, what 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 the book titles are and, and you know, just maybe a little background on some of that stuff for the for the. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Jason. So the books can be found on uh, Amazon.com or the Amazon in your. Um, country so whether it's um, Canada the US or the UK just amazon.com or .co UK uh, the first book is called uh, the power to navigate life and it's really a manual on um, this idea that I developed over a 15-year period uh, coaching clients um, and I created this um, infinity symbol in which I called that we're either parked in life or we're navigating life And I refer to park being, you know, the metaphysical relationship that we do when we park a car, you know, we've stopped the car, we've turned the ignition off, we've put it into park, we've put the handbrake on, you know, and we're enclosed, we're not moving anymore. Navigating, on the other hand, has this sort of sense of um, movement and expansion as though, you know, we've got a compass in our hand, and we're, we're moving And so if we look at the infinity symbol, we can see that at certain periods in our life, we might be navigating life that, you know, um, we've got a a career that we love. We've got a wonderful family. Our health is really um, going well. And so everything is moving in the right direction. But then suddenly maybe we experience some turmoil at, at, at work or within our family dynamics. And then we move out of navigating and then suddenly we're stuck which means perhaps we're going through a divorce. Perhaps we got demoted or worse still, we got fired. So suddenly we're stuck. And this is what I hear from clients. How do I get out from being stuck to navigating life again? And so the book really helps you, but there's a questionnaire in the book that helps you answer certain questions to determine whether you're parked or navigating and then helps you move out from parked to navigating And lets you know that life is about 
this infinity symbol that we're not always going to be navigating life. It's not always about success. But when we're parked, we learn key lessons and insights to help us move forward so that we can navigate life. So that's what that book's about. Um, the second book is called uh, Reconstructing the Past to Create a M Remarkable Future. And it's the understanding that, that we ought to make peace with our past, whatever happened in the past, whether it was failed marriages or, um, you know, we had, um, you know, bad health or bad relationships, that we can heal those relationships or we can heal our response to them because in healing the way that we look at the past, that creates our present moment. And the present moment then is created um, into the future. So if we're constantly carrying around the past um, in a limited mindset, such as, well, you know, I've been through this divorce 20 years ago and I have these ill feelings towards my spouse, then we're bringing that into the present moment. So the potential to meet um, a new partner is tarnished already because we're harboring ill feelings towards another person. And of course, at some point in the interaction with your current partner, those feelings will become dominant. Then of course, that relationship may not work. And so it tarnishes the future. So it's saying, right, I may have had a difficult past in whatever capacity, whether it was childhood trauma or just negative experiences, but I've worked through it, I've processed it, I'm in the present moment now, I'm experiencing everything I need to experience to live a wonderful, fruitful and um, remarkable life, which then creates the springboard and foundation for the future. And then the most um, recent book is called um, Awaken Your Authentic Self. And the idea behind that book is really about this idea of getting rid of all these labels, these beliefs, these ideas of who we think we are and allowing the real person uh, to, um, to show up. So the beliefs are, you know, between the three of us, we've all had different childhood experiences. Um, your parents or caregivers may have um, told you different things about what the world is. My father used to say, money doesn't grow on trees. I don't know about you guys. So in my early 20s, I developed a negative relationship to money. Um, and so I sought to heal that relationship. Um, and so he believed that you had to work hard in order to earn a living. Um, he's not around, but if he were around these days, I would say, well, dad, there are you know billionaires who are making money overnight um through you know technology developing mm -hmm. an app or yeah um that wasn't possible 30 years ago so it's about uh, disentangling the beliefs and ideas about the world and ourselves you know our likes and dislikes and then coming back just to the essence of who we are um as as human beings and when we can do that then we become authentic and we become authentic in the way that we respond to life and the way that we respond to others. Awesome. Uh, so Hive Nation, that is on Amazon. You can search Tony Fakri and you'll find all those on there. Uh, Tony, do you have a fourth one in the hopper that you'd like to give us a sneak preview of? 
Yeah, so I just finished writing uh, the fourth book, and it's a wonderful book. I'm really proud of it. Um, it's called um, Overcoming uh, the Art of Turning Obstacles into Opportunities. And uh, it's a wonderful book that I'm just so proud of because it's um, it's an amalgamation of probably my life's work and the idea of, of overcoming, and it's not a memoir by any means, but it's the lessons that I've learned of overcoming obstacles and challenges in my life. And again, as we discussed earlier, um, Jason, it's this idea that when uh, uncertainty or obstacles or challenges appear, how do we um, move through them? And so I talk about the art of overcoming them because there's a mindset, there's a way that we can actually respond to our challenges and develop the grit, the mental resiliency and the personal growth in order to respond to our challenges each time. So this book is really, again, um, a manual on how to actually achieve that. That sounds amazing. Do you have a, a release date for that yet? Uh, we don't have a release date at this stage, so hopefully it should be sometime this year or early next year. Oh, that's excellent, excellent. Well, Tony, th that was uh, amazing. Like, I, I think we've <laughs> we've probably taken up a lot of your time. That certainly went fast for me. It's... Uh, uh though that was an amazing half an hour plus um i can't help i can't thank you enough tony thank you very much for your time uh the hive nation thanks you for for coming on to the hive nation podcast and uh yeah we're looking forward to dropping this one for sure absolutely yeah thank you both uh jason and greg it's, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor and given our distance as well to be able to interact with one another and talk about the dynamics of um, you know, leadership, self-improvement, and really spread the message, particularly in these uncertain times um, in the world, that we do have the ability to control the way we respond to life. And it's not been taken away from us, as many of us have been led to believe. Um, we have that power. And it's really about approaching it with a sense of compassion, intrigue, um, and being inquisitive about ourselves and how we respond. And that helps us open the gateway to expansion and uh, success, of course. That's a, that's a great way to close this uh, session, Tony. Thank you absolutely. very much. That was absolutely fantastic. So uh, thank you once again. And uh, it would be our pleasure to have you on uh, again uh, in, in the near future if, if you would, if you would uh, take that up again. But um, Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Tony? Hive Nation. Hive Nation. We're out. We're out.